for the band. I've been waiting for you boys all day. Get on stage. Yo. No sleep till. <laughs>
Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Crime Talk BK. This is Megan Duffy flying solo again today. My girl is off traveling for work. And we got a lot of news today. So let me just do a few announcements and we'll get straight into the tea. Uh, we are turning five in May here at Radio Free Brooklyn. We are running our Drive to Five fundraising campaign. It's currently underway. You can either head to the website, donate money, or, yeah, just donate money. <laughs> Sorry. We need to raise about $25,000 to continue bringing our commercial-free independent radio for another five years. And because we think it should be fun, we offer challenges and other things and great prizes through our website. There's a trivia quiz, and um, you can also... Dial uh, 718-673-8201 to leave us a message. Your message may be played on the air. Let Just wish us a happy birthday. Just be nice. Don't be rude. Um, and also, if you uh, need an easier way to listen to our show, download the mobile app. I love it. Just, you can listen to it anywhere. Okay. So, it was a busy, busy week. This week in impeachment tea, as I'm sure you all know. Uh, So we'll just dive right in. So Tuesday night, the House Intelligence Committee released several documents that were produced by uh, one of Giuliani's cronies, Trump's cronies. His name is Lev Parnas. He's a Ukrainian-born American. I think he's actually from Florida. Uh, Apparently, this guy kept all the receipts from all of the work he did. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, So a few of these documents are text messages. There's a letter. Um, A couple of these text messages were from, are between Parnas and this guy named Robert Hyde, who he's a current Republican congressional candidate. Um, I can't remember where. Uh, Anyway, so he's, he's going on and on back and forth with Parnas saying that uh, they had Marie Yovanovitch under surveillance in Ukraine, which if, you know, had had this been true, it would ring back to the imminent threat that the State Department said she was under. Now, Parnas has testified or and said in an interview with Rachel Maddow this past week that he thought that um, this Robert Hyde is a drunk and a clown and that these weren't believable yet there they are so you know it's sort of harness has some credibility problems because he is under federal indictment currently but a lot of people in trump's atmosphere are currently under federal indictment and are convicted so take that as, as you will um also just so you note all, anything that's been released to the house committee's of left Parnas's is currently posted on their website. So if you're interested in reading any of this directly, you can go to the House of Representatives website and download it yourself. Um, okay. So um, in relation to all of this, the Daily Beast contacted Robert Hyde and in no uncertain terms, he just used a number of uh, expletives and told basically told them to go fuck themselves. Didn't have any anything else to say. He certainly is living up to the reputation that Parnas has put out there. 
Um, so we all know that Yovanovitch ended up getting out without uh, without injury. Um, she did testify that she was afraid for her life, um, that there were threats. Also during her testimony, if you remember, Trump was tweeting threats during her testimony, which, you know, all Adam Schiff called obstruction of justice. Uh, 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 let's see what else. Um, okay, so... Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so then there's this letter. And it's from Giuliani to President Zelensky of Ukraine. So by the time of the July phone call, which is which is what started this whole thing, and he said, do us a favor, you know, blah, 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 the president did. The Ukrainian president appeared to know full well who Giuliani is and what role he was playing. So this letter... Let's see if I can find out what it says. <sighs> okay. Oh, this letter is a, it's an introduction of Mr. Giuliani to the Ukrainian president saying he works directly for President Trump in his personal capacity as Trump's personal attorney. So it's an introduction letter of Giuliani to Mr. Zelensky. Um, and in the letter, also Giuliani says this is typical, blah, 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 in the normal course of American business. Um, doesn't sound shady at all, really. Smells shady. Smells remarkably shady. Um, the, another thing is that Giuliani is trying to explain to Mr. Zelensky that He's working in the personal capacity of the president, but the president is his whole defense is saying, "Well, we asked it for it in in relation to us meaning the United States, my country." But this letter completely blows the whole thing out of the water, um, which obviously is improper, and I'm pretty sure Giuliani realizes that he is not on Trump's legal team for the impeachment mainly because there's a conflict of interest, but I also think that, um, I don't think he would give two shits about that, quite frankly, but I think he he knows a lot more than he is, and I think Trump told him not to testify, just like he did everybody else. Um, okay, so we covered that. Now, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so the Parnas high texts are evidence of kind of how the whole scheme played out, if you want to give them any weight. Um, and as the sorted evidence of this sort of scheme sort of continues to play out, uh, it remains the position of the administration and nearly every other elected Republican in Congress that uh, Congress is not entitled to any additional testimony or documents. Uh, one can only imagine what a full account would show. Uh, the documents sent to the Judiciary Committee, I think, strengthen the Democrats' call for new evidence and testimony. Um, and it, if nothing else, to at least have a fair trial. Um, you know, Mitch McConnell expects to start uh, Tuesday. He still has absolutely refused to have any witnesses or documentation. So this is basically 
panning out to be some sort of a kangaroo court, which is their master plan. Um, also, some of these documents that Parnas <laughs> produced, he wrote himself a note, which, you know, is born of hilarity, and it's on this Ritz-Carlton notepaper, and it's a, it's a reminder to himself to do his, quote, his magic, and it's underlined in his phrase, cut the deal. <laughs> it also appears that Mr. Parnas may have been monitoring the location of Yovanovitch through Hyde. We're not sure, uh, as I said. And, um, um, oh, Hyde's from Connecticut. He's running for a seat up there. So, and then there's this other uh, letter from Trump's attorney, personal attorney, Jay Sekulow, to former attorney John Dowd, in which Sekulow says that the um, the president consents to have Dowd represent Lev Parnas after he was arrested and um, which because there was a conflict of interest with Dowd. How, however, Parnas ended up firing Dowd when he he said in his interview, he said that he realized that Dowd and Sekulow and the president Giuliani were all trying to keep him quiet and he didn't want he. He didn't want that, which is why he's now making the media rounds. Uh, which you should listen to. It's fascinating. Um, and which I'll weigh in a, in a little bit. Uh, and so then uh, these documents, everything that was released by Parnas, were transmitted with the articles of impeachment to the Senate today, or last week, not today, to be entered into the public record. Parnas and his attorney intentionally did that to uh, make sure that it was all there. Parnas has said that he is afraid of the Justice Department um, and that if we got it, he got everything out into the open that uh, they wouldn't have to pressure him to keep quiet anymore. He's still very afraid of the Trump administration. Uh, my take on this whole thing is it sounds like they're trying to hang Parnas out to dry. I do realize he has some credibility issues, but everything he's said so far is backed up by the documents that he's produced and everything that we already know. So, and yes, he is like an accused criminal, but Trump has a laundry list of those attached to him. So I'm going to break down the uh, Parnas interview with Rachel Maddow. I'm just going to give you a few big takeaways. Uh, he confirms that he and Giuliani were working directly for the president to make sure he gets reelected in 2020 and that it was all about Biden. Um, he confirms that Bolton, Mulvaney, and the rest of the band were all involved, and they were a team. As And then Sondland had testified, if you recall or not, I will tell you, he said everybody was in the loop. Everybody knew what the hell was going on. It was all about the quid pro quo in 2020. Um, he surprisingly apologized to, uh, Parnas surprisingly apologized to Marie Yovanovitch for his part in ousting her from her role as ambassador to the Ukraine. And the only reason... She was, was she was actually fighting corruption, and this team of buffoons from the United States was causing the corruption. And um, and he doesn't believe that she did anything wrong. Um, the quid pro quo is that all aid, not just the military aid, would be withheld without the announcement into the Bidens. That means all military support, all political support, all all support. No meetings, no nothing. 
they just Ukraine would be out in the cold. Um, I said that already. Robert Hyde is clown and drunk. Um, oh, as an aside, Ukraine has opened an investigation into whether Yovanovitch was illegally surveilled. So the irony here is they did open an investigation, just not the one that Mr. Trump wanted. Harness confirmed that Devin Nunes, yep, that Devin Nunes, did in fact have his own investigation in Ukraine on behalf of the president. And yes, he sat there at the head of the GOP during the House intelligence hearing. Conflict? Maybe. Illegal? Maybe. Make your own conclusions? I think I think so. Parnas knows him, met up with his aide because... Nunez was under an ethical investigation already. Uh, and they met at the Trump Hotel a couple of times in D.C. And Parnas says he was, he was even in shock when he was watching the hearings because he saw Nunez and his the, Nunez and his aide that he met. was They were just right there running the whole thing and he couldn't believe it was happening. It was very reminiscent of, you know, a corrupt country. Hmm. And he called the Trump Hotel... Uh, the breeding ground of the cult of Trump. And yes, he wore the used cult. He did. He also knows who got paid and what they got paid. Pence knows. He's confirmed. Pence canceled his trip to the inauguration of President Zelensky in Ukraine because they didn't agree to make the announcement. He's confirmed that. He's confirmed that Bolton knows everything and that he was in on it. And he confirmed that Attorney General uh, William Barr knows everything. And if you recall, Barr essentially came out after the Mueller report and said there was zero evidence that the president obstructed justice, even though it was all in the report. And he admitted in recent testimony before Congress that he didn't even look at the underlying evidence of the report. Now, recently, Barr has appointed John Durham to undertake uh, an even broader investigation into the FBI and the intelligence community's Russia investigation. Yes, another investigation. Um, The probe appears to be aimed at a couple of Trump's antagonists, such as CIA Director John Brennan, who uh, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, so this also confirms why Barr was being traveled, has been traveling to foreign countries and asking for their cooperation. Um, the department has also pursued a case against former director Andrew McCabe who, for misleading the department about media leaks. Um, if you remember, McCabe stood behind Comey after Trump fired him and has also been a target of public and private abuse by the president. The potential charges have been hanging over McCabe's head for a really long time. And last month, <laughs> a court ordered the department to either Shit or get off the pot. Basically, bring the case or drop it. So we'll keep an eye on that. I'm not sure what happened. Uh, Well, I mean, McCabe hasn't been named in the investigation yet, but we'll see. So, yes, this is the second investigation uh, against Comey, which is highly unusual. And the charge is that in 2017, Comey leaked to the New York Times and Washington Post details of uh, a questionable Russian document that the Bureau had acquired. It claimed, this document claimed that Attorney General Loretta Lynch had assured the Clinton campaign that the FBI would not investigate the email scandal very deeply. Yes, emails, lock her up. Bullshit. 
the authenticity of this letter uh, has never been established. And some members of the Bureau suspect it was Russian disinformation. Oh, you mean like the Ukraine scandal where they interfered in the 2016 election? Hmm, maybe. But the memo made Comey uh, somewhat paranoid and he didn't want to appear to display any sort of favoritism toward Clinton. And um, it helped push him toward his fateful decision to announce a reopening of the email probe days before the election, which, of course, is one of the reasons I'm sure that Trump actually won. So this is uh, a little problematic and everybody should be worried because this is not. Uh, this is not, uh, you know, arbitrarily having your opponents arrested. This is a little more insidious. Um, he's using the Department of Justice to selectively hold certain opponents to exacting levels of legal scrutiny. And um, it doesn't even matter if every investigation brings charges because the time, expense, and reputational costs of these investigations is damning in and of itself. Um, now, one more thing. This week, the Government Accountability Office, a nonpartisan body that to check the ethics of governmental bodies, determined that the White House did, in fact, break the law when it was withheld the aid from the Ukraine. Uh, so, yes, it is a crime. We are talking about criminals. The impeachment stands. Let's have a fair trial. Bring documents. Bring witnesses. Let everybody testify. Let's also remember, too, that when the, <laughs> when they were withholding the aid back in the day last year, three senior members of the Government Accountability Office and the, uh, oh, I'm sorry, in the OMB, sorry, Office of Management and Budget, which is the one that deals out the funds, they resigned because they thought it was illegal. So, guess what? It is. Just late last night... And I haven't had a chance to look all this over yet, so I'm just going to give you a, a, there's more texts, more emails, and it sounds like there's a voicemail that Parnas has turned over. Um, and um, those will also be posted on the House. They, uh, him and his attorney have said that they are going to keep producing things on a rolling basis, which means we have more evidence coming out uh, as the trial looms on Tuesday. And... Uh, that means opening briefs will be due on Monday. As, so Trump has hired a couple of lawyers to uh, join his impeachment team, Alan Dershowitz, among others, who also represented Jeffrey Epstein, if you remember. And um, he says he's not going to get paid. And he says he's just a constitutional advisor um, and that he's basically living in the 18 or the 1700s in definition of what a crime is. There's Pam Bondi, who is most notably a uh, former prosecutor and assistant state attorney for Florida. She is anti-gay. She opposed Obamacare. And she took at least $25,000 from the Trump Foundation, which is now closed. And uh, that's Trump's charity that he had to pay $2 million in fines for. We all know that. And she's also snug it up to the Scientologists down in Florida, arguing that the group uh, wanted to stamp out human trafficking, which is fucking rich, because I'm pretty sure they may actually be guilty of the same thing. 
Pictures of her and Lev Parnas have since emerged and his document dumped. No one knows Lev, though. No one knows Lev. The Trump has also denied that he knows Lev, but there is at least 15 pictures of Lev and Trump and Don Jr. and Ivanka and Rudy. They're all there. And then one more notable, Mr. Kenneth Starr, who was independent counsel um, during the uh, for the government in the, during the Clinton Whitewater investigation, which ultimately led to the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Um, he has represented in private practice Mitch McConnell on a lawsuit challenging campaign finance law and later served as president of Baylor University, uh, where he was forced out amid allegations related to his handling of sex abuse cases. Charming. Mr. Starr um, said he was profoundly sorry, blah, blah, blah. Trump called Starr a lunatic during the Clinton impeachment hearings, thinks he's crazy, thinks he's worthless, but wait, I need you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Rudy, of course, is not on there because it's a huge conflict. But I would love to hear Rudy testify. In fact, I think I want Trump to take the stand, too. Um, so with all that, I want to quote Monica Lewinsky from Twitter this week. She said, this is definitely a what the fuck kind of day when Ken Starr took the job. Can you blame her? OK, enough politics. Let's go on to uh, crime, local crime. So this week, a six Rikers guards charged with taking bribes, smuggling drugs into inmates. That is right. Oh, God. Um, they were all charged on Tuesday for allegedly sneaking in marijuana, opioids, K2, and, which is uh, synthetic marijuana. And in one case, an iPhone. To inmates at the uh, at two separate correction centers on Rikers, uh, they were charged in federal court. A joint investigation conducted by the FBI and the NYC Department of Investigation found that jail guards allegedly received thousands of dollars in bribes from incarcerated men in exchange for smuggling in the contraband, and uh, along with. The six guards, five detainees, and seven other intermediaries, which is, I'm sure is just staff, were also charged. Um, they used coded language like Oakland Raiders jerseys to refer to the marijuana. Um, Fifteen, blah, blah, blah. Oh, here. So um, investigators mapped the ring by telephone calls, jail security footage, Financial records from a cash app, money online, or the money transfer app. Um, over the phone, inmates would use coded language uh, referring to corrections officers as pink panties and marijuana, which was occasionally called Raiders jerseys. Uh, apparently, this was a very lucrative operation because one of the corrections officers allegedly raked in about 11000 just under $12,000 by smuggling marijuana and K2 in just by the cash app. So these guys aren't, you know, don't leave a paper trail. If you're going to do crimes. <laughs> Talk to Lev Parnas. Um, there's a couple of other corrections officers. Uh, they were, um, <laughs> this is rich. They were undone 
by trained canines within the Rikers facilities that detected the contraband on their person. In one instance, a dog had caught uh, uh, one Mr. Angel Rodriguez with bundles of weed and K2 tied up in three balloons that he had stashed near his ankle and groin area. I mean, I mean, come on, dude. Uh, Magistrate Judge Ramon Reyes Jr. of the Eastern District of New York released five of the six guards on $50,000 bond and one on $25,000. And they're ordered to stay away from Rikers, which I'm sure they'd be happy to. Um, They all remained sort of tight-lipped. By the way, I got all of this from the New York Post. Um, They all remained tight-lipped. The Post asked if they wanted to comment. They were all like, Go fuck yourself. And one of the attorneys is, uh, his name is, oh, the famous Howard Greenberg. He's a very famous defense lawyer. And he says, it's not the kind of case you win on the first day. And if my guy goes to prison, I'll quit the practice of criminal law. He's a fascinating character, that Howard Greenberg. Um, There's a documentary series on him. Uh, On Netflix. Google it. Um, Okay. Also this week in Criming. So much Criming. Uh, the jury has been selected for the Harvey Weinstein trial. Uh, it took about a week, and it didn't. It wasn't without its issues. The uh, final jury includes six white men, one black man, two black women, a Latina woman, and two white women. There's three alternates: two women and a man. I'm not sure what they are. Prosecutors uh, had accused Weinstein's team on Thursday of systematically eliminating young white women from the pool of prospective jurors. Uh, his, of course, his attorneys say it's for very sound reasons, even though the <laughs> jury pool, the jury ended up being mostly dudes. Way to go, prosecutors. Um some of the some of the questions I found out, uh, you know, they're pretty basic, but I'll give them to you. Uh, would any of you hesitate to find the defendant guilty, even if it was just on the basis of one witness's statements? The prosecutors asked. Um, and then Weinstein's attorneys went a little darker and said, "Does anyone here think that a young actor or actress might have a sexual relationship with an older man for a reason other than love?" Uh, whether they find that person attractive or not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they should start talking to some sugar babies. Um, gee, and then, oh, yeah, the defense asked this, this question is sort of sorted. Do you agree that someone might have sex with someone that was consensual and then years later say it wasn't? So, yeah, they had a lot of back and forth. Um, There was a huge disagreement with um, one of the jurors who is writing a book about a young woman involved in sexual relationships with older men and the power dynamic associated with that. Both sides fought, uh, well, the defense fought for challenges on this particular individual being seated on the jury but was denied and uh, one woman was dismissed by the defense um, because her Facebook cover photo is a shot of the Women's March. Um, 
with the slogan, if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. So, you know, we're, I don't know if you know this, but when you sit on a high profile jury like this, jury consultants come in for both sides and they get your name and they look at your social media and look at all the issues and whatever. And so maybe you should keep your shit on lockdown just in case. Um, one woman was dismissed because she worked in finance, which uh, the defense lawyers argued meant she was exposed to news stories about men holding women back from professional success and because she had been exposed to locker room talk. That's uh, seems pretty, seems kind of like a reach to me. I mean, there's not a single woman in the, in the professional world that hasn't been exposed to this kind of stuff. And at least, I, well, I'm 48, so if there is someone out there who hasn't, reach out. I'd like to hear from you. Um, one woman was dismissed because she had been a model in the past. And then, oh, supermodel Gigi Hadid. She survived two rounds and then she was out, which I can't blame her because she's pretty sure she knows almost everybody involved in the trial. Prosecution and defense will make their opening statements on January 22nd. I will keep you posted. In the meantime, Harvey seems to be able to keep his phone out of his hands. We will see how long that goes because this trial is going to last for a long time. I'm going to say with the delay tactics that the defense is using, we're going to go at least six weeks, if not longer. And we have a Robert Durst update. Now, he's on trial in L.A., for the murder of his friend Susan Berman, if you remember. Los Angeles prosecutors <coughs> excuse me, won a victory on Tuesday because they persuaded his ju- the judge to allow jurors to hear that Durst killed his roommate in Galveston, dismembered him, and tossed the body into the sea. Now, if you remember from the jinx, or if not, Joanna and I is telling you the story, he was living down there as a mute woman in a dress, which is my favorite part of the whole story. And he and this guy across the hall became friends. And we believe that Durst, uh, he, this guy found out who Durst was and he was going to blackmail him. So Durst killed him and then killed, threw him into the ocean. His defense attorney, who is currently his defense attorney in L.A., Dick DeGarren, got him off for uh, the murder and um was actually, I think he was only convicted of mutilating the body of a corpse or something like that. So the judge said, you know, uh, typically that stuff isn't, you know, prior bad acts aren't actually allowed in uh, a lot of criminal cases, but the prosecutor successfully argued that because he was on the run from the New York Police Department uh, in relation to his wife's disappearance and that they believe Susan Berman knew that information and they New York then reopened the investigation into Kathy's murder and they had made an appointment to meet with Susan Berman and that's when he went and killed Susan Berman. So all of these are fruits of the poisonous tree and related to the initial uh, murder or disappearance of his wife. So the judge has deemed that credible and so they're going to not only hear about uh, Morris Black's murder in Galveston, they're also going to hear about uh, the disappearance of his wife. So, yeah. The trial um, 
that's going to be a hard road to sow for his defense attorneys. Trial is supposed to start in September, so there's a lot of there's still going to be a lot of back and forth. And jury selection, excuse me, jury selection hasn't even started yet. Um, but we'll keep an eye on that. News, news, news. Oh, he did also admit to writing the uh, cadaver letter recently. Um, so that's that's interesting. Let's see what else. First lawyers are. Uh, oh, mm-hmm. Covered that. Covered that. Oh, so yeah. So it was. It they the judge has said that they get to hear about the evidence, but he will have to provide specific instructions on what they can glean from those wild tales. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to give them specific instructions. Uh, blah blah blah. Also, rewatch the Jinx. It's really good. It's not sure if they're going to be able to hear that. Uh, remember that thing where he said in the documentary, he's like, "You're caught. What the hell?" And I did. I killed them all, of course. When he was caught on the hot mic in the bathroom, I think he was stoned out of his gourd at the time. I'm not sure. So they're still going back and forth on whether the jury is going to be able to hear that recording uh, because it has been there has been some uh, argument that it could it was doctored for a storytelling purposes on television and it's not the entirety of the recording. So they haven't reached a decision on that. I will let you know. I'm obsessed. Okay. More locally, um, the New York attorney general this week has decided to investigate the NYPD's deeply troublesome subway policing. Praise be. Uh, they're opening into investigation into the NYPD's enforcement of fare evasion, citing a pattern of, quote, deeply troublesome contact, conduct that suggests to her that cops may be targeting riders based on race. You don't fucking say. The inquiry was announced Monday in a letter sent uh, to Police Commissioner Dermot Shea. It gives the department until February 10th to produce uh, a bunch of data on their policing of fair beaters, including the numbers of cops assigned to each station and the demographic breakdown of the arrestees. The data that does exist uh, reveals a sharp racial disparity in enforcement, prompting comparisons to the old stop and frisk policy, which was ruled unconstitutional in 2013. And so it, it appears that there's a lot of gaps in this data, and I don't know if we're going to be able to get a clear picture of what is actually going on. Um, but I have some information. So between October 2017 and June 2019, black and Hispanic New Yorkers made up almost 70% of all civil summonses and nearly 90% of arrests for fair evasion. 90% of arrests. That sounds a little fucking slanted to me. Um yeah, so more detail of the reporting on those stops, as required by city law, of course, has been routinely withheld by the NYPD, which is what prompted the investigation and then a lawsuit last year. Uh, the late the letter from the AG also makes reference to sworn statements from multiple NYPD officers former and current, who alleged that the deputy inspector, currently the second in command of Brooklyn's Transit Policing Bureau, explicitly directed officers to target black and Latino men 
for fair beating. I think Joanna covered that a little while ago. And there's some secret audio recordings of this guy, Deputy Commissioner Sachess, uh, berating an officer for not targeting, quote unquote, those people. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. I mean, that's kind of fucked up. 90%. I'm sorry. <sighs> this makes me mad. Um, it really makes me fucking mad. Okay, so. Moving on. Should we play a song? Nah. Okay, let's keep going. New exciting information in the Gilgo Beach murders. These were the murders. I'll give you a recap. Okay, so in December of 2010, a Suffolk police officer and a cadaver dog were conducting a routine search for um, Shannon Gilbert, who was a missing a sex worker from New Jersey. She had gone missing, uh, we find out later, after fleeing the home of a client. And he found instead a body of another woman in Gilgo Beach. Further searching turned up 10 bodies total, um, including eight women in the same area. December 20th and April, uh, between April I'm sorry, between the dates of December 20th and April 2011. Now, at the time, the police said uh, the first four bodies were women in their 20s who uh, were sex workers. Six of the women were later identified uh, as being reported missing between 2007 and September of 2010. It was hard to make a connection between these women because they didn't all fit the same profile. And one of the remains was actually a young Asian male, and there was also an infant who both have yet to be identified. Okay, so Shannon Gilbert's body was found in December of 2011, but police couldn't determine the cause of death or whether she was the victim of the same suspected serial killer, which is the Long Island serial killer, or Lisk, who we had covered, I think, last year. Um... Uh, among the women identified were Megan Waterman, Maureen Brainerd Barnes, Amber Lynn Costello, and Melissa Bartholomew. They had all advertised themselves as sex workers and escorts on the back of, in Craigslist, and all four women had been found wrapped in burlap. Authorities uh, were also able to identify body parts belonging to Jessica Taylor, whose mutilated body was found in Manorville in 2003. Uh, yeesh. Uh, the legs of an unnamed woman n- now or once known as Fire Island Jane Doe, they were found in 1996 on Blue Point Beach. Her skull was later discovered on Ocean Parkway. It's kind of out by me. Uh, body parts of another woman described as Jane Doe 6 were later matched with another torso found in Manorville in 2000. No arrests have been made in, in this investigation at all. Now, after nearly a decade of digging, researching, I don't know why they're not doing genetic DNA testing, but they could be. They don't tell us everything. Um, New York authorities are uh, have announced. Oop, hang on, let me go back. 
my notes. Um, okay, so after nearly a decade of digging and probing um, of at least eight women whose remains were dumped along a deserted stretch of highway, the Gilgo Beach Police Department at Long Island Police Department shared a single piece of evidence with us this week. It's a photo of a belt that may have belonged to the killer. You can see pics. I picked this article up at the Daily Beast. It's all over the news. Daily News, New York Post, um, Long Island, local Long Island news. Uh, you can see the pictures. The belt, uh, uh, which is embossed with the letters either HM or WH, because we can't figure out which way it goes, has been in the police hands since the initial stages of the investigation. Um, police believe it was handled by the suspect and did not belong to any of the victims. They didn't reveal the exact location the belt was found, but they did say it was located on Ocean Parkway, which is related to the body parts uh, of Fire Island Jane Doe. Right? The letters are about half inch by half inch, and um, they're looking for any help or any information. They... That was the big news today or this week on that. So seems to be rearing its ugly head again. I hope that these people can find peace. These families can find peace. And I hope this works. I hope that they maybe contact Paul Hulls because he could help them with some genetic genealogy. If there's any evidence on those bodies. Um, speaking of assholes, there is a new lawsuit against... The estate of Jeffrey Epstein mm-hmm. was filed Wednesday by Attorney General Denise George of the U.S. Virgin Islands. She filed the complaint against Epstein's estate and his trust. Um, a bunch of handful, li- uh, a bunch of uh, limited liability companies that he owns, a couple of unknown associates, and more than twenty counts of human trafficking, child abuse, neglect, rape, unlawful sexual contact prostitution, violating rules under the sex offender registry, because apparently he was a sex offender registered in the U.S. Virgin Islands, fraud and conspiracy. He is uh, they're seeking to recoup any and all financial and other benefits that flowed to Epstein and his associates as well as um, any results of their operations in the Virgin Islands. The complaint revealed disturbing new evidence about the dead billionaire's decades-long large-scale trafficking and abuse of young girls on his private Caribbean island, what locals call Pedophile Island. Her office is suing Epstein's estate in order to seize his property in the territory, including the now-notorious Little St. James Island purchased in 1998, as well as the second island he purchased in 2016, quote, to expand his trafficking pyramid scheme and shell companies they claim Epstein established there to conceal his elaborate sex trafficking enterprise. They are hoping to prevent Epstein's executor's uh, proposal that his vast assets be turned into a fund for victims and um, 
It also reveals the explosive new details about the sheer number of young girls abused by Epstein and their age and his coercive and violent tactics, uh, which lasted well beyond what has previously been reported. Um, here are a few of the allegations. Dear Lord, I need a drink. Um, hang on. Okay. So. Epstein had trafficked his victims through his private island as late as 2018. Yep. He kept a digital database to track hundreds of victims. He had a ring of associates referred to John and Jane Doe's who facilitated, participated uh, in the abuse of these victims, and they allegedly helped field him a mass amount of young girls through false promises of career and financial help, including South American models who were brought across international and state lines. Epstein was seen with the victims who appeared as young as 11 years old, which just makes my fucking skin crawl. Air traffic controllers in the Virgin Islands reportedly observed Epstein leaving the territory on his private jet with girls who looked as young as 11. Uh, I got this. Oh, by the way, I got all this information from the New York Times. So he is accused of holding victims captive. There's one account of a 15-year-old girl who tried to escape by swimming away from the island but was intercepted and forced to remain by Epstein, who confiscated her passport. Uh, there's another report of another girl trying to escape. So, yeah. If you don't know, Epstein, though uh, it's found dead in his cell last summer, um, the pathologist who was hired by his family um, has come out and said, he was apparently on Dr. Oz this week, just kind of a joke. Dr. Oz is a joke in his, in his own right. But they showed actual pictures of post-mortem pieces of Epstein, including his legs, to prove that they weren't swollen from the hanging. Um, the blood clots in his eyeballs, which proved that he was strangled, because you don't get those from hanging. And an x-ray of his broken hyoid bone. They're trying to, uh, this guy was hired by Epstein's brother, by the way. Uh, they're trying to prove that Epstein was, in fact, killed. Now, honestly, I don't know if he was or wasn't. But I do think that, there again, there should be a full investigation. Because once the medical examiner came out in New York and said that he had committed suicide, the, everything stopped. Like, it's just, no one gave a shit. And maybe no one does give a shit, but... His brother gives a shit. Uh, so there's that. And I really think that the victims would really like to know the truth. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, so that's my, that's my spiel for this week. Um, it was a bit crazy week. Um, I, hang on, I'm picking out a music, some songs. Um, yeah, I don't really know what to say, you know, that's pretty much it. Um, again, we're doing our drive to five, get on our website, 
donate. We'd like to uh, we'd like to hear from you. Leave us a message here at Radio Free Brooklyn. We'll be playing you on the air. 718-673-8201. Um, we got a lot of great shows here on the air. We had uh, Race to the Bottom right before me. We've got Queer State of Mind coming up next. Those guys are great. They play great music. They bring you all the tea. Um, Joanna will be back next week. She uh, will be here so I don't have to keep droning on by myself like I do. Um, remember that the impeachment starts this week on Tuesday. Call your representatives and make sure that you tell them, even if you don't believe anything is true, that you want a fair and impartial trial. You want evidence. You want documents. That's the only way it's going to work. Um, what else do I got to tell you? Oh, yeah. Be nice to your neighbors. Don't, uh, don't allow any of that anti-Semitism shit to happen. Love one another. And uh, I'll talk to you next week. While mommy and daddy are gone. And don't make a mess. Do you like parties? Yeah. We can invite all our friends and have soda and pie. Yeah! I hope no bad people show up. Class.
You got-